so we we talked about uh, in First Timothy two nine, uh, the women last week. Warren women are manifest by three things: they're good looking to God, and uh, tonight we're going to pick up the second point in on good learning. So, in our text in in First uh, Timothy chapter two, not Second Timothy, First Timothy chapter two. Let's look at verses eleven and twelve, and uh, we will get started. So, I got to get there. There we go. It says, let the women learn in silence. I suffer authority over the man, but to be in silence. Oh, these are loaded words. We better pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these uh, words. Lord, uh, not because we're misogynists, not because we want to be overbearing. Lord, help me to help. Um, all of us that are here understand these words and uh, help us to uh, take it in the context that Paul gave it in First Timothy to his disciple Timothy and pastor. Uh, Lord, I pray, Lord, that um, you just uh, encourage us in the Word tonight as we also prepare to pray. Uh, Lord, this chapter, chapter 2, is, a, is about that issue of praying. And uh, that's how Paul starts it off. And it's not just for men, but it's for women who are often the leaders in prayer. So, Lord, I pray, God, that you give us a, just a heart to pray tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> warring women are manifest by the first thing is is they're good looking to God. We talked about that last week. So they're focused on the inside, not the outside. Um, and so is our daughter here? That rascal. Uh, the second, and so the second one is good learning. And uh, in this passage, um, you know, it's, it, it, this is this is one of those passages that today, eventually, they'll get rid of our King James Bible for us because he's, they're going to call this misogynistic. But uh, what is Paul really talking about here to Timothy? Uh, well, point A, he's talking about the priority of learning. Uh, he's talking about the priority of learning. So Paul doesn't say women are not to learn. As in, in fact, he's given an instruction on how they should learn. And just understanding that helps it helps you understand it. Um, he says, "Let the women learn." He doesn't say, "Don't let the women learn." So he's actually wanting the women to learn. He's saying how he wants them to learn, uh, and that is, of course, um, according to his instructions. So today's women liberation takes these verses as misogynistic, but Paul's not being misogynistic. He's placing things in priority. God's order in the church uh, is priority priority over all the will of the man or the woman. So God's order for man is to teach and protect the women so that they are not in harm's way. Or, conversely, if the women are teaching the flock, who's accountable for it? The woman. Right Now we know here in this church, we understand Genesis chapter 3, that, um, that Adam should have protected Eve, right? And he should have gotten between Eve and the devil. And so there's a protection mechanism. There's also an accountability and a, an authority uh, concern here. And so Paul is concerned about how the churches operate. This pattern has been set since the Garden of Eden when Eve took initiative without Adam's com- uh, communicating with Satan. And she became a much softer target than Adam was. And the woman was beguiled. And that's why, and God is careful to say the woman was beguiled, and Adam was willingly uh, the sinner. And so he held Adam accountable. Now, who did Adam blame later in Genesis 3? The woman. He blamed the woman, which is the opposite of what uh, Jesus did for the church. He didn't blame the church for sin. He died on the cross for our sin. And so Paul here is protecting the women, not trying to hurt them. 
and uh, that he so it's the opposite of being misogynistic. He's actually elevating the value so that so that uh, for the church's sake, but also for their own their own good, so that they can actually learn. It's also instructional that there is a danger in women who will not be quiet in church, and that's a practical thing uh, that Paul is also addressing. Um, and so, and today that's very common, and it's very uh, customary uh, in Pentecostal movements for sure. Uh, I was in a church in Orissa during a, a building dedication. It was a beautiful time, a beautiful setting, a beautiful victory. This was a persecuted place uh, in Kandamal. It was a, a place that, that Hindus, it was a stronghold for Hindus. And God got a lot of traction there in that area. And the church that was being built was actually funded by a benevolent uh, family in this church, paid the whole bill to build this church. And so when I went to the, the meeting, they wanted us to come up and dedicate it. So Doug and I went up, Doug Pearson and I went up to this place that was once a, which once was the hotbed of persecution. And it was a miracle a couple white dudes could show up from America and even be there and represent Christ. So, I mean, God has done so many things to make that day possible. And I still, I mean, I'm very just thankful you know i still just you know that was a beautiful moment in my life a great memory uh to be at this place and to be a part of all that and to see all that happen it was just it's still just awesome in the true sense of the word awesome in, in honor of jeff who's on a mission on a trip right now and uh but it's really it, but it, you know what really kind of was a bummer is that during the service there was a woman yeah and she just had to be in the center of attention and so she, during the during the service and the dedication, it became obvious that um, this woman desired to be the center of attention instead of Jesus. And uh, and I believe she perhaps may have even had a demon. I'm not sure, but uh, the point is is that she was completely out of order. First uh, Corinthians fourteen forty. Um, was just out of it was out of hand. And I, I, being the guest from America, was not about to correct that. That was really the national pastor's job, uh, or even Pradeep, but he didn't correct her. I didn't think. I think he tried to, but uh, it, and there, there, they had to make sure to save face. You know how that is in that culture. It's a big deal. So, anyway, the point is, this woman distracted us um, uh, really from the import, import and the impact of the meeting. Uh, a lot of wailing, a lot of, oh, you know, just a lot of just over-the-top uh, emotion and, and, uh, and drama is a good word for that. And, um, and I don't think she was particularly uh, in need, as she pr- portrayed. So it was just really, it was exactly what Paul said. Hey, you know what? Uh, we can take that outside. Don't, don't come in the church and disrupt it with all of that. You know, um, we need to be focused on the word of God and teaching and doing things decently in order. So I've, I've seen that thing happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Pradeep, Pradeep, I don't know. Culturally, there was something that I still don't understand about all of that. I don't understand it. So from a Western mindset, that would have not gone over. Uh, I don't know exactly why it was going over there to this day. So I, some of those things, they just, you know, okay, pastor, okay, pastor, thank you, pastor, you know, whatever. So you just go. But I can tell you this, men like, that would not go on in Pradeep's church. You know, he would he would take care of that. And so, uh, and Krista Doss and others, you know, they know they know better. 
that's also somewhat, I would suspect, probably um, because of the charismatic influence in India, as well as uh, guys like K.P. Johanan and, and others um, have had a, done a lot of damage in in uh, in India. Um, and of course, match. It's almost like Old Testament, you know, matching miracles with the pagans, and uh, and you know, one pagan versus the next. Really, uh, one's got a Christian on the name, and the other's a Hindu or a, a Buddhist. So, um, and so that just culturally just deepens the problem. Uh, Africa is very much the same way. Um, so. Uh, and that's why you need, that's the point, and this is, and I think I'm obviously very safe to say this here, but that's why you need spiritually strong men to bring order to those situations and put things in order, and strong women that can set the example, and it can also t- help a lady like that on the side and say, "Hun, your real, your real answer is Jesus. That's, you're not getting, gaining any favor by disrupting the church service and so on and so forth. Now, don't get me wrong, men can do the same thing, So, and, and they do. Uh, but Paul here is talking about the women. He's given them the example, and and uh, and so obviously, um, uh, if you've been to an emotional, when things get emotional, especially like in a charismatic service, the women tend to take the four. Not that men are absent, but there's a lot of times the women, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's an unfortunate reality in America, not just in Guatemala or Central America or Africa or Asia, but in most of these churches, the women are unfortunately not because they're bad women, but because the men are not, you know, taking the lead, and uh, that's not the ladies' fault in that case, um, and so that's unfortunate because uh, you know they need to have pastors there to help them, and um, and so you're right. In our in our culture, men are becoming more feminine every day, and so they're not they're not really apt to lead in that regard. They're apt to be more like women than they are uh, the men that God wants them to be. So, um, for whatever reason, but uh, so anyway, I, I digress. Uh, that wasn't as much the problem in the first century <laughs> as it is today, probably. But you're right. A lot of churches, the women are leading, uh, both here and and yonder. Uh, and then oftentimes because the men are weak spiritually. Uh, I noticed, um, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but when they make loans, the World Bank, I mean, these are big, big institutions, make microloans, and microloans go to women. They, they target women, like in Af- Africa and Asia and places like that, because they have children, and they know the mothers are responsible for the children, and they will work. And a lot of times the men they are not responsible, and they'll drink what they work, or they'll they just won't take care of their responsibilities. And so when they offer microloans, they prefer women, preferably women that are mothers. And then they'll take some some old burlap or whatever, and they'll make a little purse out of that that three dollar microloan. And then next thing you know, that three dollars turns into six dollars, and she pays it back over so much time. And they there's enough microloan. Uh, Income that it's actually a, a thing as far as the economy. Now they do it out of they don't do it to make a lot of money, but they actually do it to make it does it is profitable to lend microloans to women. So they see it as sort of a um, a humanitarian effort, huh? 
Well, they look at it like, well, I think it's twofold. I think one is it's, um, I think I think sincerely that there's some people that feel it makes themselves feel better about charging ridiculously high high interest rates uh, to Americans or whatever, but uh, that they're helping out a, a someone in another country. But there's also the fact that when they pay it back, it, it gives them it does give them a, uh, a dignity. It gives them status. It gives them dignity. Uh, and it create it does create opportunity uh, economically. I saw one uh, where they they took old cans and they made uh, some sort of usually they're making just little knickknack things, but they they're able to make real money on it and turn it around and and uh, usually it's something from almost trash or palm leaves or whatever. But they're able to do it. They just need a little bit of money to get this thing going. But once they get started, it goes. So they're very resourceful and efficient and and they're and they're faithful. And a lot of these same women, husbands are nowhere to... I mean, they're literally, like in the videos I'm watching, You can there's the husband. He's doing nothing. He's a deadbeat. What we would call a deadbeat. Because they're entitled. And they are misogynistic. You know? And so, uh, it's terrible. It's just the culture. It's terrible. If you go to, like, the India, places like that, the, the way they treat the women, is, is for our standards in the West, is, is just reprehensible. Yeah, it's it's hard. A lot of people mischaracterize Paul because of passages like this. But if you really take Paul in his totality, and you look at how he addresses women, whether he's in Philippi uh, and he's dealing with uh, uh, Lydia, right? He's willing to work with Lydia and her circle, or whether he's uh, dealing with uh, Priscilla, uh, you know, whether uh, Phoebe. You know, Paul was very uh, willing to not only acknowledge women, but work with women and trust women, uh, engage women in doctrine, like he did with Priscilla and Aquila. I mean, he definitely made it a point to mention them by name, her, not just not just Aquila. So Paul is actually like he would be considered a liberal progressive um, for his day. Uh, because by the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles, obviously, the Greeks were more, they empowered women much more because they believed in goddesses, and so like Diana and all that. So they were perverted in that sense, sort of like today's Wiccans. But um, but at the end of the day, that's unhealthy, right? That's exactly what Paul's dealing with here in Ephesus, because Eph- goddess of Diana is in Ephesus. Timothy pastored in Ephesus. So you do have women that are incredibly strong-willed and... Uh, and pagan, be, be like a Wiccan believes, like a, a Wiccan here in, in Cass County uh, would believe that she's a goddess and has some sort of power over men. And and so that kind of mindset, uh, and they use their sexuality to do that in Cass County, just like they did in Ephesus. And so that's one of the ways they man, manipulate men, because men are stupid. And so, um, uh, anyway, so that's, that's, that's kind of a... Uh, a reality of history and a reality of even today that kind of creep it was creeping into the church then and it can creep into the church now so you that's why god wrote this so we would be wise to that and put it in order so not that every lady that you know is trying to exert her influence inordinately is a, a wiccan or even has those kind of motives but those kind of things drive themselves into the culture and and uh, especially like in ephesus and this then becomes a problem that's also with the apparel 
Um, when he talks about the plating of the hair and all that, that was specifically, historically, if you go back and check out history of Ephesus, one of the reasons Paul wondered about that was because basically the prostitutes did that down at the, the temple of Diana. So it's like, don't don't try to emulate the pro- Just like I tell my daughter, don't look like some of these women that are popular because they look like harlots and it may make her upset with me, but it's true. I mean, they literally look like harlots. They dress. It's just like Matthew West. Those lyrics I read last week. I mean, he mentions Cardi B. Cardi B would fit. You know, you would not know if that's a if that's a prostitute or if that's a pop star. She's one and the same. I mean, she looks the way she dresses and acts. And so, well, they do look like harlots, and they act like harlots, and they romanticize harlotry. I'm not even embellishing that. So, <clears throat> yeah, sometimes, I mean, there's Cardi B, honestly. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad he mentioned her by name in his song because she literally does romanticize harlotry. It's just, it's sad. It's disgusting and, and also pathetic and sad. So, yeah, um, I know I'm getting off track a little bit, but that does give a, that in essence is, is uh, where our culture's at, and a lot of the same tendencies are in this culture that were in, you know, Ephesus and other places. So, okay, point B, let's talk about, we talk about the priority of learning. So it's not that women can't learn. Women are prioritized. They are to learn. It's not that they're not, let the women learn in silence with all subjection. So let them learn, but just let them do that in silence because you don't want to usurp the authority of the man and the men need to be, uh, in most in most cultures to this day even, it is that way. In America, it's not so much. But like if you're in India um, uh, or uh, in the Middle East, you know, and most of Asia, the women are going to be in silence and the men are going to be the ones at the forefront. Is it that way in Guatemala? No. Yeah, it is that way still, like in Asia. I mean, the women and the children, they are all literally behind, or depending on where, they're real progressive in Mumbai. So, interesting, we did a marriage conference several years ago in Mumbai, in Ganesha's church, and the men sat here and the women sat here, which is their culture, you know, no problem. Even husbands and wives didn't sit together. And I just noticed they did one this last couple, like two weeks ago, and same format. And all the men and the husbands and wives, they sat as families. I saw that. So I thought, oh, that's cool. So God is working in that culture. Yeah. And that's not because they need to do that because, you know, they can do what they do. But culturally, they start off, you know, the men in the front, the women behind them, and then the kids in the back. So when you do it, oftentimes when you do a church service in like Asia, like in India or somewhere, that's how you'll see all the men will be up front with you as you're preaching. So the culture is just like that. It's still like that, uh, just like it was in the time of Paul's writing. So it's, that's kind of cool when you go to these countries because you, you really see like this is what it was like. You, it really drills home the culture of the day. And so... Let's talk about the process of learning, which is point B. Paul doesn't condone corrupting God's authority structure. So that's really what he's talking about here. He doesn't, he, the process of learning is important. He doesn't condone corrupting the, uh, the authority structure. So God's word here that he uses is usurp. That's a strong word, right? So, um, uh, he doesn't want him to usurp the authority. So there's no guessing what his concern is about. He's talking about overthrowing the authority structure. Um, don't take authority that doesn't belong to you. 
Um, there are times when authority delegated to women, even in the church, in the church, but they are to be under the covering of a godly man who is in authority in the church. So Paul and, uh, sent Phoebe, as I mentioned, to take the Epistle of Romans to, uh, from Corinth um, to the Romans, and Aquila and Priscilla, you know, did the same. And, and you know, God, God used women in the New Testament. So it wasn't that Paul didn't want women to be utilized. But they were not to usurp, and that's the word he used there, usurp authority, which is to overthrow authority, take authority that is not theirs. They were to know uh, the place of protection and provision. So uh, just because a man is present doesn't mean he is in authority in the church either, and that's important. Because there, there are misogynistic men in the church. Uh, hope they're not in the pulpits, but uh, sometimes they are, unfortunately. But So there are men that think just because they're a man, they're in authority. Well, that's not true either. Right, because um, Jamie is just because Jamie's a man or Ron's a man doesn't mean he has authority over Amy. Right, I'm Amy's covering, not some other guy. Right now, if I delegate, I'm going out of town. Jamie, can you help Amy with that? That's different, you know. But but uh, no, I mean it's different. You know, you guys understand what usurping authority is, and so there's two sides of that coin. Right? There's women who won't submit to authority or go around their husband. When you become a pastor, I've learned this the hard way, you do have to be sensitive to that. There's a lot of times women want to end around their husband. And uh, it's really important that, that pastors don't let that happen. You know, a lot, point, you got to point them back to their husband. I've seen some really good Christian women um, in this church submit to husbands that aren't even saved biblically and not usurp their authority and living out First Peter 3 trying to win them. And, and I'm like totally impressed. I'm like, wow. Uh, one lady used to come to church for several years until she didn't anymore. And she didn't because her husband didn't want her to. And, uh, and she submitted to him. I was okay with that. I know a lot of pastors would say, I know some of them would say, well, you got to obey God, not man. I get that. But in this particular case, I'm like, you know what? She has been obeying God. And she loves her husband. She wants to win him. I'm like, submit to him. Watch us on the, online. You know, do, do what he will allow you to do because I know you really want to win this guy to Christ. And she had no, was nothing but, you know, she did, she loved her husband. She didn't hate him, you know, and it just was what it was. And even if, okay, at the judgment seat of Christ, she, I think she's going to be fine, you know. Um, and so, and I'm not comfortable telling a lady under those circumstances to usurp the authority of her own husband. I'm like, that's, I don't feel like, you know, God will judge him. You know, or winning, but uh, that's not my. That's that's his responsibility, even though he's a lost man. And so uh, there are there are times, right? There's times when a man, uh, if he, for instance, beats his wife, um, I do believe that um, it's over, and you just lost because that that's not allowable. You shouldn't allow that. She should she should call the cops. The cops should come, and he should go to jail, and uh, and things like that. So, um, and there's authority in our culture to deal with that. And so he would have to submit to that authority. All right. Uh, so, um, so just because a man is present doesn't mean he is an authority. So God has qualifications for pastors and deacons in the next chapter to address that very thing. So the next thing we're talking about authority at the end of chapter two and usurping of authority. We're praying. We start off praying for authority, right? If you look in the first few verses, uh, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all that are in authority. So that is the subject. Right? So men, you submit to authority by praying and submitting to authority. Wives, you submit to your husband's authority and the and then the officers of the church's authority. 
uh, and and then guess what? The next the next chapter we deal with the people in authority and their qualifications and their need to submit to authority, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So all of this is really dealing with authority and being in your role and being under submission to God. So a woman in the church is not to take a position over the men of the church. This is out of order and is forbidden. Not, and it will not only corrupt her learning, but it will corrupt the learning of others. So that's what Paul's worrying about. Don't put yourself in a position where you're going to corrupt your own learning and the learning of others. That's a bad place to be. Uh, a good example of how that's practically violated would be Beth Moore. And so she routinely taught men in her local church at, on, at Sunday school and she's now gone off the rails doctrinally. She started as a Baptist, kind of fundamental doctrine. Uh, and increasingly, she's getting more and more progressive and liberal. <clears throat> and her pastor, whoever he was in Texas, was good with her teaching a whole class. And uh, it may have started with women. Before you know it, all the men are coming. They're like, well, she's gifted. Let them come. And whether they meant to or not, it's out of order, right? And uh, who's responsible for that? Well, I would say her husband and her pastor. And her, ultimately, if she won't submit to their their teaching. So she's one who would say that I'm a, I'm a misogynist, I'm sure, if she was, you know, going to listen to this. Beth Moore, if you're out there and you want to come after me, you can tell everybody I'm a misogynist. But I believe it's pretty clear, biblically, that, uh, you know, you should definitely submit to the biblical authority. Now, I'm not against Beth Moore or Kay Arthur or... A female teacher of the Bible. There's some really good female teachers out there, and they're not as they're 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 gifted, and we need them because women teaching women, women teaching children. That's all good. Uh, but women, you know, when we getting up here and being the head of the church, leading the church. Now here we we're we're con- we're probably considered a little liberal in some aspects when I allow. At Vision Conference, I allow you to get up and talk about the mission field, or and you share a few verses. Well, or and you know the same way. First of all, all the women we've let do that are super self concerned, super concerned about usurping authority. But you're not because you're under my authority and the pastor's authority here, and we're letting you talk to the congregation. We are responsible for what you say. And I've also been burnt when I've let people that are ladies get up and talk and say things they ought not hear. And so I've also learned that the hard way. I have violated this, uh, letting someone share a testimony. So you do have to be careful, man or woman, who you let up in a pulpit. Um, because they can really mess things up. So, um, and I bought that t-shirt too, a time or two. So ultimately I'm responsible at the judgment seat of Christ and also for the damage. Uh, the la- most recent time that happened, I let a lady g- give a testimony. Uh, and I said, this is how much time you have and this is what you're saying. And of course she got up and said other things that I didn't know she was going to say that were not congruent with the word of God. And, um, and man, I had fallout from it. So I had to go back around and tell people, you know, that's not our position. That's not what we teach. And, those are the, you know, and so it was really, it was painful. So God showed me, like, Brian, you better not violate this passage because this is true. This is what happens. And so, uh, and so it happens from time to time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway. She nods on the inside, on the outside, but I don't think she gets it on the inside. But uh, you probably know what I'm talking about. So, but anyway, she's submissive with the knowledge that she has. So, she's just not someone I need to have in the pulpit ever. Not even for a testimony. So, even though she's a member. So, um, but that is what it is. You live and you learn. 
there's also grace, praise God. Um, but I was I was actually just saying that you know I it, to the my other point though is that uh, it isn't I don't believe it's wrong to allow a sister to get up and sing a song or share a testimony or uh, you know tell about a mission trip they went on or you know whatever as long as the pastor uh, is responsible and everyone understands the authority structure. Um, and in most of the churches we know that's not ever a problem but there are there are some baptists <clears throat> fundamental baptists that would like have a cow over that i mean no women in never no never stand up here on the pul- the holy platform or behind the pulpit you know that's a violation and all of that so um you know anyway all right so i'm going to stop there i could finish up and but i'll wait i'll just do that next week so we can pray thank you guys for coming sorry for the delay and uh, be praying for Jeff. He's um, tonight is at Oakland Heights. They're probably about to finish up because they're an hour ahead of us. So they're probably about to finish up their session for tonight. Pray for his safe return on Wednesday. I'm going to shut this off. So thank you for joining us today and uh, being with us for this 28 minutes and 34 seconds.